Welcome to Role Playing History, the podcast where we explore the history of role playing games. I'm Wayne Davis, and I'll be your guide for today's tour. Episode 96 Bad GM Productions and Bad GM's Campaign Build Along. Yeah, all right, I know what you're thinking. Why is this schmuck covering his own company and his other podcast on this show? Has he lost his mind? Is he letting his ego run amok? <laughs> well, my therapist says I haven't lost my mind just yet, so I'd say we're okay there. Uh, the ego thing, well, all right, that's that's open to conjecture. Look, the reason both of these topics are up this week is that this Saturday, April 8th, marks the one-year anniversary of both the company and the build-along. And yes, I realize I'm risking some more listeners getting pissed off with the product of the last two weeks, but hey, we've chugged along for almost two years with me picking topics the way I have, and I'm pretty sure you're going to indulge me one more time, and thank you for doing so. I'm also going to admit up front that this show, much like last week's, is going to be shorter than what we usually do for the show, but that's primarily because these shows have not been research-based, and they instead come from my own mind and my own experiences. Trust me, with what I've got on the books for the next couple of months, I really needed the break from that level of intense research. Anyway, let's kick off the show with a big happy anniversary to both Bad GM Productions and the campaign build-along. I do get emails and DMs from time to time from listeners of both shows asking what my inspirations were for both the company and for the show. So let's get into those. And I'm going to try to follow some semblance of our usual format and style to do this. So let's crank up the tour bus and get to it. We're going to start with the second topic first, and it becomes obvious a little bit later on. Bad GM's campaign build-along comes from all the YouTube videos I've watched over the years from folks who I have a lot of respect for. Matt Colville, Matt Mercer, Professor Dungeon Master. It's a big list and it goes back quite a few years. As somebody who needed a lot of help and still needs a lot of help, these videos played a big part in helping me to improve my scenario building style as well as how I engage with my players. In fact, the initial idea I had for a podcast going back to well before I started role-playing history was to actually do a YouTube show about building a campaign from scratch. Five years ago was when I started floating my initial idea, but I'm not really a video-savvy kind of guy, and those of you who watch the videos I put up on the YouTube channel will probably agree with that. My background is in audio production, and it's something I've always been much more comfortable with. So at that time, I couldn't figure out how to make a campaign building show work in an audio-only format. A couple of years after that, I got this crazy idea for a history podcast about role-playing games, and that's where this show came from. And for a year, I was more concerned with trying to build the listener base for role-playing history and put the thought of another show just kind of on the back burner. I mean, if you've listened to some of the older shows, you know I had a Facebook account and a Twitter account just for this show. I was also trying to get a website, but my technology is about as good as my video production skills, so that really never worked out quite the way I wanted it to. Now that all leads us into the creation of the campaign build-along. I do realize it's probably hard to put all the pieces together that I just gave you and see how it goes together the way I say it does. 
just trust me on this. By the end of the show, all of the pieces are going to fall into place nice and neat and make plenty of sense. The genesis of the campaign build along came after the game that I'd been running for a couple of years finally came to an end. I really probably should just admit it fizzled out and a lot of that was my fault. And the big reason for that, I realized, was a lack of proper preparation for each week. And look, that wasn't a new thing. My MO for pretty much the entire time I've GM'd is to have these great ideas, in my mind anyway, for campaigns, but really at the end, no idea how to get to the ending. Or, in the case of the game that fizzled out, I didn't even have an ending. My buddy Jim, who is our group's co-GM, he was cranking up what was supposed to be a long-running Warhammer game, so I figured I'd take some time, rethink some things, and work up a game for later on down the line. So how did that lead to another show? So as I was building the background for my Deadlands Classic game, which I believed would be at least a year away, it occurred to me that there was a way to build a game from scratch in an audio format. You just walk the listener through the building of a campaign from the very beginning with as much detail as possible while still allowing for the individuality of the GM to play into it. And if I'm honest, I got a little pissed off I didn't think about that before. I mean, it's it's not that I don't love doing role-playing history. Trust me, I love it. It's just that I'm a perfectionist at heart and it annoyed the hell out of me that it took me two full years to figure out how to do something that was the simplest of answers. So I took what I'd written to that point and I recorded a couple of test episodes. My daughter was my test group since she's a lot like me and that she's a bit of a perfectionist and she's not afraid to tell me the truth rather than stroke my ego. Now those were never intended for broadcast and to be honest, they never were. The idea at the time was to take my time perfecting the format of the show, run some tests, maybe pull a beta test or two, and then be ready to record the show a year or so down the line when I started running the game. Well, Then things changed. Jim's job responsibilities changed, and he had to stop running that Warhammer game after like a handful of sessions. So while I was burnt to a crisp, I knew I needed to run a game if our group was going to keep playing. Since I'd already started putting something together, I told the group I'd run, provided they would agree to play Deadlands instead of D&D or some other system, which, of course, they did. That led to me making a decision on the fly. I was going to start the podcast immediately, and since I already had the campaign world built out, I knew I had three or four episodes ready to go, so the group could start playing the actual scenarios I'd created while those first few episodes ran, which would allow for our campaign recaps to take place in real time. And for me, those were going to be the big draw for this type of show. I've seen dozens of videos where folks show you how to build. I've also watched and listened to hundreds of hours of live gameplay. What I hadn't seen or hadn't heard yet was somebody recapping what their group did with the stuff that was built by the GM for an audience. So that was the hook, or so I thought. Look, that wasn't the longest season or the longest campaign, I'll grant you. But what surprised me was the number of listeners that reported they liked the campaign build itself but they admitted to me the recap of the game wasn't the selling point. What was the number one complaint? (laughs) We came out of the gates on fire and we stayed there for eight or nine weeks, depending. Starting about week 10, both my players and my listeners noted that the campaign kind of came off the rails a bit. And a number of commenters noted that the campaign felt a bit rushed. 
and a bit more of a campaign on rails instead of the sandbox format we'd be using early on in the process. I noted that in my campaign recap, by the way, and I take full responsibility for it. I fell into the pattern I'd fallen into well before this, which is that I'd write for as long as I could write and sit back for a while and run what I had. The problem in this case was that when I had to work off the cuff, I had run past the point of knowing what I wanted to do with the story. And obviously, both my game and my podcast suffered for it. So the $64,000 question is this. Why in the hell would I put myself back out there like that? I mean, why would I put my shortcomings out there for the world to hear? That turned out to be the hook for the podcast. See, I'm, I'm not a polished GM. I'm not a darling of the YouTube fans out there. I'm just a guy who really loves tabletop role-playing games. So if I'm out there telling you about the issues I'm having with running, the hope is that at least one person out there hears what I'm going through and realizes they're not alone out there. That if you're willing to keep getting up when you get knocked down, you're going to get better at this. And much like with role-playing history, that's why we're slowly but surely building ourselves a listener base. Oh, and if you're one of those listeners who started with the show season one, episode one, and then bailed when it started going south, I don't blame you. But I would strongly suggest you get into season two because folks have been telling me it's way better. Now, look, I'll believe that when I close the campaign with a satisfying ending. But again, that's me. I'm a perfectionist. And I'd note that for those who aren't necessarily Deadlands fans, I want you to notice that this season is about the Fallout role-playing game. And while I'm not typically into role-playing games based off of video games, this one is proven to be easy to learn and to run. So maybe that's what's making this season easier. Hell, I've even got a couple of listeners who've told me they don't care about running the game at all. They just like the story time feel of it, since building a campaign is really just writing a story. So we've covered the history of the show. How about I get into what I call the nuts and bolts of this and answer a few other questions folks have had over the past year. I've been asked multiple times why I have one show on Spotify for podcasters and another one on RSS.com because RSS.com is the home of the campaign build along. It's a pretty simple answer, really. When I was putting together that show, Anchor.fm, which is what Spotify for podcasters was known as when I started, had a policy that you could only have one podcast per email account, and I wasn't willing to go through the process of having to log into it for one show, then log out and log back in using another account. Instead, I paid for a two-year subscription to another provider so that I can log out of one account, go to another site, and log into it with another email address. I get stubborn like that sometimes. Happens to be a character flaw of mine. But I also want to make it clear that I was looking for the opportunity to find more sponsors for the show. And don't get me wrong, Spotify for Podcasters has been a really good sponsor for this show. But I was hoping to find a way to make more money than I have. That goes back to me running this company out of my own pocket, and I'd really like to not have to do that anymore. I'm sure you understand. And no, it hasn't happened yet, but that stubborn little streak of mine is still working through itself. I also get asked frequently where the name of the show came from. I've joked with my friends and family for a lot of years about how bad of a GM I could be from time to time, and it just sort of stuck when I was coming up with a title. For the rest of it, I was riffing on the concept of a sing-along, subbing in the campaign build-along part of it. Did I think I was cheesy? Oh, Hell yeah. Did I hope it would be an earworm and catch on? 
Of course. The other question I tend to get asked a lot is, what goes into putting together each episode? Well, this is where I admit that in one way, it's some of the easiest show writing I do. However, in another way, it makes this show feel like it takes nothing to do. And by this show, I mean role-playing history. The reason for both of those answers is simple. I am literally writing the game as I type the show up. No research, no prep. All I have is my campaign binder and my copy of the Fallout gamebook. From there, I pick up where I left off the previous week and build out as much as I think is reasonable for a 30-minute show, keeping in mind that every other week there's going to be about a 15-minute game recap as the second half of the show. That's it. That's how I do it. Which would also explain why I frequently have to do pieces at the beginning of episodes covering things I missed when I was writing the previous week's show. But all in all, I've been happy with the product we've been producing this season, and I hope you have as well. Oh, and I put up a short YouTube video where I'm showing off the campaign binder and explaining how I did it, just in case you're interested. Now, I've also been asked a time or two what I've got planned for season three of the show, as well as what my plans are if I'm not running the next game for my group or the next game after that. Well, insofar as what game I've got lined up next, we were planning on running Firefly this go around before my daughter convinced me to run Fallout. So that's always going to be a possibility. I'm also partial to running a Star Wars campaign, though I don't know if I want to use the most recent version of the rules or not. So we'd either go D20 or all the way back to running the original West End Games rules. And for those who've asked why I don't just list D&D again when I talk about the games I want to run... It's not that I have no desire to ever run one again. I'm just a little fried out on it right now because I ran D&D games pretty much nonstop for like six years. And I do realize in the grand scheme of things, that's not necessarily that long, but it was long enough for me. I want to stretch my creativity in other directions for a little bit. Now, that being said, after watching Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves with my future son-in-law, I kind of felt that spark kick back up a little bit. And maybe it is the fact that he's jazzed to play a bard that has a little something to do with it. I don't know. We'll see. So what am I going to do if I don't run a game? I don't think that's going to be the case for a while because Jim's not really in a place where he has the time to write up game stuff. and He's not a big fan of running modules. So I think it might be safe to say he's not going to run for a little bit. And since he and I are the primary GMs, unless one of the others wants to step up, it's going to be all me all the time with one exception. It's been quite a while at this point, but Scott did run a D&D based game several years ago, and while he hasn't really expressed a lot of interest in bringing that game back, he has said something about running a game based on Deadlands Noir. If he does that, it would most likely be a short-term game, so while I wouldn't be GMing for a bit, I don't think it'd be an exceptionally long period of time. And even if it was, I have a plan. There will still be a show because I'll still build a campaign for a game system from scratch. The only difference is that I won't have game recaps unless I've got a listener willing to share their group story from the game in question. So short story long, this show, that show, both shows, they're not going anywhere. I think this is a good spot to transition to bad GM productions. So I started the production company because I realized that with two podcasts, trying to manage two separate emails, social media accounts, yada, 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 was going to be a genuine pain in the ass. So two shows, one company, one set of accounts to work from. So yeah, it was basically created because I'm lazy, (laughs) if you want to get right down to it. 
But I was also thinking of the future. My dream is to be able to make a living doing this and this alone. So I thought if I had an actual production company, I'd have the ability to bring in others with interests along the same lines as mine and give them an umbrella to work under while they brought their own projects to life. I know, I know, I know, big dream, I get it. Again, though, I thought it was best for the long term, since it's easier to work with advertisers and conventions and such from the position of being the owner of a production company rather than trying to reach out as the host of one show or the other. And when I speak to convention organizers, I mention the production company first and the shows second. The name came about because I really liked the bad GM concept I'd come up with for the show, so I decided to use it for the production company as well. And if you've seen our logo on the website or on our socials, I've even got the D20 sitting on a one because, well, you know. I do need to note that I'm not the sole owner of the company. I talk about Gabe on both shows from time to time, and he is the tech guru of the company, for which I brought him in as an equal partner. Of course, that's not going to be much more than just a title until or unless we start making some money. But hey, at least we've got titles. Gabe handles the website. He built it, he manages it, and he also checks the various podcast providers we work with for both shows to make sure you can get either one of our shows on them, and then he lets me know when we're having those issues so that I can work to get them fixed. He is also the guy who listens religiously to both shows and calls me out when there's something missing. It did take a bit to get that website up and running, but that's mostly because the plan was always to launch the production company and the campaign build along at the same time. And when the show started earlier than planned, the production company got launched earlier than planned. And while it's pretty easy to get an email address and social media accounts, building a website isn't something that most folks can do in a day. Took Gabe two. Actually, I think it took him three, but that's mostly because it took me a little bit longer to get back to him with my thoughts on the site. So that was on me, not on him. Now, obviously, the website was created to direct traffic to the podcasts, but part of the deal with Gabe coming on board was that he also gets to promote his Twitch channel for the Loot Gaming. There are links to everything we do on the website, as well as pictures of those involved in my game group, and we put some website exclusive videos up. Now, I do get asked from time to time if we're ever going to actually sell merch for the company. First off, I got to start by saying I am stoked that anybody would actually be willing to buy something that is part of a company I own. That being said, at this point, there's just not enough interest to make that happen. That also being said, Gabe did make sure we have the ability to add an online store to the site in the future. So if enough of y'all ask about it, we can make that happen. There is one thing that has to happen before I'm going to consider doing that, though. See, when I was trying to come up with a logo for the company, Jim and I had this idea that we kicked back and forth. A GM screen sitting on a table with the corners on fire, maybe put a mace or a flail on the table, definitely an axe or a dagger that's stuck in it, and then dice everywhere. We'd put bad GM productions on the center panel of that GM screen. We just had this cool idea. The issue is that none of our artist friends have the time to do it, and obviously, we don't have the money to pay somebody. But if that ever changes, that's when I'm going to really want to offer up some gear, because I just think that would be a cool thing to put on a t-shirt and walk around with. So, there you go. In the meanwhile, when we show up at conventions, come hit us up. We've got some stickers that we came up with for last year's Archon. We've still got them to give out when folks ask for them. And tell us what you think about what we're doing, because we're always open to suggestions. 
So it's been a year for both Bad GM Productions and the campaign build along, and here's looking towards another fantastic year. And with that, we've come to the end of today's tour. Next week, we get back to our usual tour fair as we check out the game to fill him, as well as the company responsible for it. Well, I should actually say the company responsible for the English translation version of it, Chaosium. Also, if you don't already have your picks in for the best game modules ever, you've still got plenty of time to do that. Whether it's D&D, Pathfinder, Shadowrun, heck, it could be a module for a game that's been out of print for 30 years. Hit us up by email or on the socials and we'll gather together the most popular submissions and include them in an upcoming show on the best adventure modules of all time. In the meanwhile, might I suggest you check out that podcast I just spent half an hour talking about. This week, when I slide into my alter ego as the bad GM, we'll keep working our way through the jobs the group took from the job board and see where that takes us. Maybe, just maybe, the group will get some leads on some unfinished business. As I mentioned moments ago, Bad GM's campaign build along is available wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, badgmproductions.net. The music we use for this show comes from pixabay.com. Check them out for all your license-free, royalty-free music needs. Role-Playing History is a production of Bad GM Productions. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash gaming forward slash Bad GM Prod. On Twitter at Bad GMP. YouTube and Tumblr, it's Bad GM Productions. You can email us, badgmproductions at gmail.com. And online, that website is badgmproductions.net. Next week, it's Nephilim and Chaosium and any other ums I might think of between now and then. Ah, then again, maybe not. That's next week, though. Until then, I'm Wayne Davis, and you're role-playing history.